Welcome to the Business Sphere. On this podcast, we want to share real stories and real struggles from entrepreneurs who have been where you are. John Fong interviews business professionals and entrepreneurs in many fields to uncover their successes and challenges. We take a deep dive into their journey and provide you with tips and advice to help your business today. Thank you for listening to The Business Beard. Don't forget to subscribe and share this episode. My guest today is Eleanor Beaton, the founder of Safi Media. They are an education and coaching company for women entrepreneurs looking to double the number of women entrepreneurs who scale past $1 million by 2030. Thanks for joining me today, Eleanor. It's such an honor to be here. I know you're a fellow Canadian, and that's what really resonated with me when we first started talking. Um, so maybe share with the listeners a little bit about your upbringing, your, your story, and how you became who you are today. Um, I would say it comes down to storytelling, really. So before I was an entrepreneur, I was a business journalist. So I wrote for the Globe and Mail. I wrote for their business and real estate. I covered some of the fastest growing companies in Canada for Profit Magazine, which was basically kind of a division or related to Canadian business magazine. I put in my time, I feel like I got an MBA, an entrepreneurial MBA, um, interviewing and studying and writing stories and sharing knowledge about some of the uh, most successful, fastest growing entrepreneurs in this country, guys like Robert Herjavec, who is now, of course, uh, a shark on Shark Tank. Uh, I talked to him way back when, you know, he was still riding private jets. Um, so it was all about, you know, my kind of natural uh, skill of curiosity and storytelling as a former journalist. That really has been like the thread that has run through all of the work that I did um, through my career as a journalist and PR and advertising to my own running my first business, which was like a boutique communications consulting agency to this uh, coaching and education company that I run today, Safi Media. Amazing. So I'm going to take a little, you know, back in terms of like your, your upbringing, your um, education and how long were you in the journalism um, field and industry? So did you go to school here in Canada as well? And um, did you study? Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up um, on the East coast in Nova Scotia. We immigrated here with my family when um, from the United Kingdom, when I was a kid, my dad was an an economics prof. And if you grow up in a small town, maybe some of your listeners can relate to this. The only thing you want to do is get out of that small town as fast as possible. So I actually went, um, I got a scholarship to go to a boarding school in the U S from there came back to the university of Toronto. And that's where I studied English and economic history. So really started to put, it was the seeds of putting business and economics together with the ability, with language and the ability to communicate and tell stories. Um, I worked initially the first part of my career, I worked in advertising. So I worked in advertising and public relations for a few years. Um, and then just had this moment. I can remember we were discussing whether to put, if it, if it was possible to put billboards on the back of school bus seats. And I was like, this girl is out. <laughs> no. And so I, uh, at the time I was writing for some community papers, like community arts papers in Toronto, just loving that storytelling. And so I decided to get a degree in journalism from the University of King's College um, in Halifax. 
And um, that was amazing. And it was after that, that I started working actively in journalism, in radio journalism, in print journalism, in news journalism. And that was all about, can you do your research enough? Can you get a grasp of a situation quickly to understand what are the key points here and then create a compelling piece of valuable content for other people? Um, so I was um, a journalist for like four years. Um, in some of some of that, I was actively employed and some of that I was a freelancer. So I was selling. I figured I could make more money and have more freedom if I sold stories to magazines and publications. So that um, that's really kind of where I started. Um, and then I decided to put journalism and public relations together and started a boutique communications consulting agency. And I mean, I had clients incredible clients. My clients included people like Margaret Trudeau, like Annette Verschuren, who's the CEO of Home Depot Canada and Asia. Um, Arlene Dickinson, you know, who was, uh, of course, on, um, on uh, Dragon's Den on CBC. So I had this, these fantastic clients. I had government clients. I was doing crisis communications. All of that was great. Tel helping brilliant people and organizations convey complex information. And the big, and that's where I ran into the big problem, which was that um, it was my brain and my brain power that I was selling. And it was in the beginning, it was fantastic, lucrative, interesting work. But it was really difficult to scale, and I was starting to get tired. So that's when I started looking for a different model and looking at how can I take these core skill sets that I have and put them into a different and more scalable business model, which ultimately had me arrive where I am today. That's amazing. And that's exactly what entrepreneurs need to really understand. You go one path thinking, this is my dream, my passion. And then you put in your time, you get some great clients, you grow your business, but you're not sleeping much. You are working 80 hour weeks. You are stressed out of your mind because you no longer have a lifestyle. Um, you're, you know, you're really focused in the business and you're thriving and it's great but you're not enjoying it anymore, right? So yeah. when did that come? Like what pivotal point was that? And were you trying to grow your agency at that time? Did you try to hire people? Like if you can kind of drill in on the, those moments in that period. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So the, the moment when I knew things 100% had to change. Um, so I can't remember what year it was. It might've been, maybe it was like 20, 2014, probably around 2014. And I am, um, traveling a lot. So I'm traveling to conferences to do networking. I'm traveling to, at this time, I'm starting to do really high end, uh, complex, you know, consulting projects. I'm flying out to see clients. And I can remember I was in the Phoenix Sky Harbor airport. And uh, I have been traveling a lot, leaving my two boys at home. They were young at that time with my husband. So I'm traveling. I've been getting sicker and sicker. I'm really not feeling well. And I don't, what I don't realize is that I actually have pneumonia. So I'm sitting in the Phoenix Sky Harbor airport feeling terrible. And then I get this email that comes in from one of my clients who um, we were working, there were a bunch of different stakeholders working on this big, expensive, complicated project. It was not going well. And I get um, an email stating as much. <laughs> you know, anyone who's in client service and, and I'm already feeling sick and I'm sitting there, I'm in a cold sweat. 
I'm sitting across from this margarita bar. There's people in there that look like they're having a great time. Kind of the life force is draining out of me. I have so much stress. Anybody who has been in that client service business, if a big client isn't happy, it just feels terrifying. And I'm like, why am I doing this? I'm all alone. There's nobody who can help me. So I have a few sort of part-time contractors, but there's nobody that I can get support from on this issue. I felt alone. I felt drained and I missed my family so terribly, you know? And, um, at that moment, I really thought, okay, I need to make some changes here. And the problem was exactly what I was saying. I was really good at that thing that I did. And I had built my business around this freaky talent that I had. Actually, I should say I, I built my business model around this freaky talent that I had. And what I hadn't thought to do is to go from that place of unconscious competence. I was, I had unconscious competence at this skill set that I had, but I didn't backtrack to conscious competence, breaking down what I did and how I did it, putting in sort of training type programs, bringing people in, spending the time with them to hire them, charging enough to be able to do that and pay my family and me what I, what we needed So there was this level of thinking and preparation that I hadn't put in it because I was still in that hunter mode, which is like of that sort of journey of entrepreneurship. You're in hunter mode where you're like, let's go out, kill something, drag something back to the cave for the family. (laughs) That's how I was operating. And um, the sad thing though, John, is that by that time, I think I had already been in this state of, of depletion, of overwhelm of burnout for almost a year. I mean, I had pneumonia full out. I had to come back, be in bed. I still had to go from Phoenix to Montreal where I was visiting with some clients. Um, I had to be in bed for a full week after that. Um, and, and that's when I kind of had my come to the light moment. I cannot continue with this model anymore. It's not working for me. And so that's when I started cutting off sort of burning the bridges, cutting off big lucrative contracts and put myself in another stressful position to make this new business model work. I mean, this is great that you're sharing this because I think a lot of entrepreneurs or new business owners or people that have always wanted to be their own boss, for instance, and I'm going to throw some different industries and niches out there. You are a professional PR communication networker for great, you know, getting exposure for people. But then there's tradespeople that have worked for different companies and they've been working so long, they think, wow, wow, I can make more money by getting my own clients charging a little bit more. But what that business and brand that they were working under they've already put together systems, processes, procedures, training modules, invoicing, customer service, all the skill set required for this bigger brand for people to really insure and pay a premium for their service. And you are an employee for this bigger brand, right? So when you, you know, try to jump onto business ownership and you don't really know why that business has survived for generations or even decades, right? And you jump on, this huge new burden is gonna overwhelm a lot of people because you can't do it alone. Usually business owners, um, you know, they think it's easier than 
it really is, right? Like a lot of people don't really assess and really dig deep on what the situation that they are in, because usually people work for a, a larger company first to kind of get an understanding of what happens in a big, bigger landscape. And then when they're on their own, they're overwhelmed because they got to take care of finances. They, they got to know how to price it. They got to know what the services are, right? And people are going to gouge you. People are just going to try to look for ways to save money, get the best ROI, and they're going to milk you for your time and expertise. And you have to realize why they're doing that because you're new and they're taking advantage of you, right? So the, the big thing is trying to take that step back. And it's great that you're sharing this because I was the same way when I first started as well. But I quickly adopted and started hiring and created systems, SOPs, procedures after year one, because I knew I was not going to work 14, 15 hours a day. I wanted to only work four hours a day. And I had to get to that point, especially if I wanted to start a family. So mm. I would love for you now to share, you know, you had that ep epiphany moment, right? Where yep. you had pneumonia, you now wanted to transition to have a lifestyle. So what happened? Like you had clients, you had to probably cut some of them off because they overdrain you, you overwork and you weren't getting paid. Like you were mm -hmm. stressed. They were probably causing a lot of harm, mental harm, right? Yeah. Yeah. And these were great people, by the, <laughs> by the way, in general, they were great people. Um, so I, I'll sort of take you through like the journey that I went through. So decision point number one was what business did I want to be in? And at that point, I had two choices. I could go kind of an agency, so a communications consulting agency route where we were delivering a service. So I was putting in the structures and so on to sell what I was already doing as a service to others. The other route that I had was how could I productize the knowledge and the skill sets, package up the knowledge and skill sets that I had and deliver them in a different way. So I think that's kind of the first part is really taking a look at the business model. What business model do you want to be in? At the time, what I realized astutely for me was that I didn't want to be managing other people doing delivering work. That was the choice that I made. I just didn't feel like that was something I was drawn to or attracted to. So the first decision I made was, okay, I, when I look at what I, the skill sets that I have, which is basically taking complex data and turning it into clear, easy to understand concepts that influence behavior, um, I really saw that I could take that and package it into sort of coaching and consulting or, you know, coaching and knowledge delivery. So that's ultimately, I pivoted the business. Um, and that was sort of step one. So that was the first thing that happened. And I went and got coaching certifications. I started um, taking on, like going, reaching out into my network and taking on contracts where I was delivering training programs. That was really sort of thing number one. So I went from physically doing the work to teaching and coaching what I knew. Right. So I was taking out a certain aspect of that, which was labor. Um, so that was sort of step one. From there, I had to further productize because it was still kind of a service delivering one off training programs, delivering coaching, you know, one on one coaching. So then I further productized taking what I did and turning it into just two core programs. So I took all of that knowledge that I was customizing all the time 
whittled it down. So this is where you're really starting to develop your sort of blueprints. Um, you know, what it's, again, it's product development. So taking the time to productize the knowledge and turn it into products that could serve multiple people at once. So that was like the second part of it. And then the third part was building the systems and hiring the team and bit by bit firing myself so that now it's the assets that I've created are the things that are indispensable. In my original business, I was the thing that was indispensable. And that's where the overwhelm came from. Um, and honestly, it was for me, um, what I had to do was um, so like making that transition, especially that first transition from essentially shutting down my communications consulting business. So I really did three things. I took a look at the clients that I had, who was the most lucrative for amount worked because I had massive contracts, right? Which were fantastic that paid a ton of money, but they were a lot of work. So I looked at where, cause you have to have a, a business needs fuel to grow and that fuel is cash, right? It is cash. And so I had to get cash, you know, that allowed me to hire people, to do marketing, all of, to hire agencies that do SEO, like stuff, all that kind of thing. So I really started weaning off clients. So I just didn't renew contracts. I completed work, thanked them. I had to say a lot of no's, which was painful when you have customers or clients coming to you cash in hand. Can you do this? It took immense like internal discipline to say no to the money. And sometimes I said yes, um, you know, because I needed to fuel the growth of my company. Um, but that's, you know, and so it just became less and less and less. And so over the first, you know, couple of years of my coaching business, I was still getting calls from people who thought I was still in my former consulting business. So I just referred that business out. That's amazing. Cause then you had clarity on what direction that you wanted to get to. Right. And yeah. It's so important because a lot of people jump into business ownership, not knowing uh, what they ultimately want. Right. And for you, it sounded like, you know, you had a situation where you felt you wanted to be at home with your family. And usually that's the biggest pillar in life, right? You do certain things to be a part and spend more time with the people that you love. And if that profession doesn't allow you for it, then why are you doing it in the first place? You're stressed, you're working longer than ever, and you're not even there for the special moments and, you know, parts of your children's lives, right? So it's amazing to hear that. So how you mentioned it took you a couple of years to grow mm -hmm. that aspect of your business. And how long has it been operating since then? Yeah. And yeah. where do you see yourself moving forward? So we made, so basically um, there was sort of a changeover period where I was sort of not quite the other business, not quite this business, but I would say that basically by the beginning of 2015, um, I was fully in uh, Safi Media, the coaching and consulting business that, or, you know, the, the coaching and education company that I run today. So um, that really started in full earnest at 2015. Before that, there were, you know, I, I did a little bit of this. I did, you know, but it was still that kind of merging. It was like an estuary, part freshwater, part salt, well, like both, you know? Um, so 2015 is when it started. And I would say, you know, that the biggest shift for me, it was my, my, the thing that drives me in business, I would say is really threefold. And one is, 
yes, to provide um, this financial fortress for my family, where we it's a container where we can have meaningful experiences together, um, to provide a fantastic life for them. So that's like part one. Part two is the ability it's, it, it's a creative outlet. So I'm a creator, a writer, you know, I always have been. And even as a journalist, I found, I still always had to get somebody else to buy into my idea before I could get, put it out there. And that doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> you know, like I am the publisher, so I get to decide. So that's like this other, it's just this innate desire to express. Um, and then the third part is mission. Like I absolutely believe that female founders are the key to driving global gender equity. So that part is huge. So now in my business, initially it was all about, can I do this? You know, and then it was like, can I grow this? And then it was like, can I get other people employed to help me grow this? And each time, you know, each stage is a little harder, takes longer than you think, but the answer every time was yes. And now I look much more broadly. I feel like I'm not as much kind of in the weeds because there's definitely a part where you are building your business. And when people, you know, when, when leadership people give you advice, like don't be in the weeds, I'm like, you know what, who was in the weeds? Um, Walt Disney, <laughs> you know what I mean? like Walt Disney creator of one of the most iconic brands and companies in the world understood that as a founder, sometimes you do need to be in the weeds, building the foundation of your business. So now um, a lot of that to a degree is in place. And where I am is stepping back and saying, okay, if we're really going to fulfill our mission of doubling the number of female founders who scale past a million in annual revenues by 2030, this arm of our business, we've been very focused about who we work with, women who are running um, service-based businesses. We have outlined, we have excellent best-in-class programs for them. Um, so we are really fully serving this section of our community. But in order to make this impact, we know that we need to shape things at a public policy level, at a funder level. We need to be having conversations with banks. We need to be having conversations with political leaders, with NGOs, and so that's really where we are growing now, which is starting an area of our business, which is called Safi Strategic Insights. Um, and that's where we do stakeholder research. We do um, consulting projects to really help these big movers do their work with a true gender lens. So we're using the same, like it's back to consulting, but it's so interesting because now in our consulting projects, I learned, you know what I mean? I learned that if the consulting project is based on my personal zone of genius and ability to do it, it's not sustainable. So the difference is that now I'm able to bring other team members along with me to do the work. And I really see myself as a relationship builder and educator, not just externally, but internally in our organization. That's amazing. And I think the growth of, uh, and it's time as well, right? And yeah. people realize that the more you invest in your business, yes, there's going to be times that you have to struggle. You got to really work through it. You got to feel that pain, that moment of, 100%. you know, reflection and trying to overcome it, right? Like what, 
what do you need to do to sustain this for many, many more years, right? And so now you have clarity on your global mission, right? And um, also like you've refined your business model, you chose a path because there were so many different options and you realized um, there were multiple ways to get to where you wanted to get to. Um, and you chose this one and you're sticking to it. So that's great to hear. Um, and it, it sounds like you're having fun as well. So a these blast. Are, <laughs> you know, these are things that are so important because a lot of people are still struggling after five, 10, 20 years of doing what they've been doing because they've really focused on the wrong pillars, the wrong things of growing and scaling their business, right? Like if you're looking at a larger scope, right? Building it so that you can walk away from your business as opposed to you being the business. This is a, you know, consultants and professional service type industries. Like you are the brand or tradespeople, you are the brand. So you got to figure a way to be like the McDonald's of the brand, right? So that you have yeah. systems, processes, training. And if, even if you're a content creator and you have courses, like how do you scale that? And this is where the business end of entrepreneurship is actually exciting and fun, right? Um, and this is why I love talking to business owners and entrepreneurs that actually are not, you know, they, they put in their time, but now they're focused more on the bigger picture on how do you grow it so that you have this mission, right? To yes. inspire and impact other people to get you closer to your ultimate goal and beliefs. So yeah. where, where do you see yourself? Because I know you're, you have this mission to yeah. hit it by 2030. Are you near close? How has it been the last couple of years during this pandemic? Um, and is it very similar to the same clarity? Like, do you still have that energy and excitement as when you started? Yeah. And I would say that I have more energy and excitement. And the reason is because of something that you just touched on. So, you know, earlier in the business as an entrepreneur, it was all about what I could do. Um, and I saw the value and I, and I think, you know, I suspect many of the people listening can, can relate to my experience in this. I saw my productivity and value through that direct work that I did. So I saw the value that I was creating when I saw eye to eye with a client that I worked directly with them and that they had a breakthrough or they were able to move toward a success milestone in their business. And I knew that I was doing a good job and that's what made me feel productive. Now I don't work with people to the, in that way, <laughs> you know? So what it, I had to reorient and reprogram in my brain what it meant to be productive. You know, you have to fire yourself and promote yourself, you know? So as a founder, if you're not constantly focused on firing yourself and promoting yourself, no one's going to promote you and you're never going to get a promotion and you're going to be stuck in the same job. And that was the mistake that I made in my first business, you know? So I think like, that's a huge, um, that's a huge impact. So with, you know, because, and I see right behind you, the book, who, not how fantastic book. Um, and you know, it has been that shift. So the more systems that I have in place and structure, the more I'm able to bring people in, the more I'm able to delegate at a higher level. So initially in my business, it was, I'm going to, you know, I always thought I can, you can delegate following a process, creating a process and a result. 
And earlier in the business, I could only delegate following a process. Then I started delegating, creating a process. And now I am able to delegate results because of the caliber of the people that we have and the structure that's already in the business, which means that I'm able to take on more and have a bigger vision without feeling exhausted about how I am going to accomplish it because I no longer have to have all those answers. You know, and so that's been huge. So as far as how are we doing against our mission thus far, as we look through, we know that we need to touch, influence, coach, support, inspire an additional 200,000 female founders to scale past a million dollars over the course of the next eight years. So when I look at that and, and sort of reverse everything from the mission, what I'm seeing is that, like I said earlier, so we can't possibly do that strictly through our programming. That's not efficient. So we need to take a higher level and start developing partnerships and relationships with universities, with people like Pivotal Ventures, Melinda Gates's foundation, as an example, with the players who have the budgets, the means, and the influence to affect thousands of people at once. So that's really what I am looking at. That's where we are looking at who can we, so initially it was like, we're kind of this lone wolf company working with our founders, you know, and now it's much more, you know, we're part of an ecosystem of potential partners and stakeholders who are all working towards the same goal. How do we tap into the, this ecosystem to reach our goal, you know, from a mission-based perspective, advance our business, build capacity in our organization and really accomplish what we set out to accomplish. So I'd say that's the difference, you know, like initially much more at the level of our business now I see this ability to work at a higher level of kind of ecosystem partnership. Um, and that's been, that has been a big change. And, and that's interesting to hear because it seems like you've matured a lot over many, many years of reflection of where you want to be, right? Like if you're in the weeds yeah. and you're going one client at a time, you know, as a mm -hmm. consultant contractor to then maybe going doing some teaching on a room full, mm -hmm. doing conferences to now on a higher level that you're now a reseller. And I, I look mm -hmm. at like, you know, product type businesses, right? Where you can go one-to-one, -one, you can spend money mm -hmm. on ads and go direct, or you use suppliers, distributors, or you go after affiliates and they already have a community and you already go after larger stakeholders. Um, yeah. That's exactly what it is, right? You now have a wholesale channel or different yeah. avenues to impact a larger base. And even myself, I, I look at different business models and ultimately what do you resonate with? What do you really wanna do and enjoy? Because scale is one thing, but if you're not having fun doing it, why do it in the first place? Because life is not all about the money. It's all about what really makes a difference in your life. What, what impact do you want to make? So it sounds like you already have this huge mission and goal. Mm -hmm. And I love that because it, it means you are, you're really clear on the intention of how to get there. And it seems like you've already built some great relationships and you've already gotten in the door. So I'm excited to hear how things are going to go for you because yes. you, know, you have eight years and it's like, wow, you have this huge mission. And I'm like, <laughs> wow, that's very, you know, aggressive. But if 
if you have the willpower and you are able to do it, I mean, gung ho. I mean, I I respect people like that, right? I love it. Well, you know, Jeff Bezos got he just he just he just uh, accomplished getting his uh, SpaceX going, and we've got Elon Musk. We've got all of these people who are who are setting these big, hairy, audacious goals, you know, and. Um, I think it's inspiring. And I think that, I think the key thing is setting for me, like to your point, um, what kind of business do you want to build? What is the right growth strategy or model that looks that, that you're looking for? And from my perspective, again, it's this thread of the skill set, that zone of genius. And it's like, when you don't have to do it on your own, you know, when you can create relationships, not even just at a personal level, but at the level of the business, that's when these sorts of things become so much more um, powerful. You, you comment on the fact that it sounds like I've matured a lot. I have, and I had to, um, because my business, its potential and the needs of my mission required that I mature <laughs> to be able to do it. That's the beauty. That's what makes to me business so much fun. And it sounds like the energy and the focus that you have now is on the bigger goals, right? Because if you're yeah. in the weeds and you're, you know, you don't have a team and you don't have clarity, mm -hmm. like it's very difficult for you to really put in that effort and energy. So it seems like now you have a lot more to focus on your bigger mission, right? Yes. Um, so I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I just, for the entrepreneurs out there who are listening, maybe some of you are beyond this stage and you're like, and it's, it's, it's nice to remember back. Maybe some of you are at this stage that I'm talking about. And it's so cool to hear from another person who's there with you. And maybe some of you are not at this stage, you know, and this is really for, for, for you. Um, if you build the right things, like if you just keep working on that infrastructure, you get to a point where your infrastructure starts to support you versus the other way around. And I think about all those years, the work, the figuring things out, the dealing with cash flow issues, the how am I going to do this, the fear, the, am I doing the right thing? Should I have gone to med school? You know what I mean? Like all of this. Um, you know, when you work on the right things, you come out the other side and the challenges look different, but the energy to your point, there's just so much more energy available on the other side of that. So keep going. And, and I love you touching that so many points, right? Like there's struggle, there's decisions that you have to make. And there's moments that everyone feels like, what am I doing? Should I give up? Should I continue going? Should I just get a job? Absolutely, yeah. right? Totally. I'd rather, I'd rather just or the fear when you're like, but I'm no longer hireable. Yes. <laughs> I remember being like, one time my husband, you know, it was like in my, it was the end of my first year of doing this, like of this business, and I was still trying to figure out how do you sell group coaching. I didn't, I could not for the life of me figure out how to do it. I was following all these people's the way they were doing it. It did not work for me. And I can remember he sends me a text and, and I'd done another thing that just didn't work. And he texts me, he's like, this has to stop. <laughs> and I was like, in that moment, I, I mean, I love the man dearly. It was the only time he questioned what I was doing. And in my heart, this, like, there was like this fire. It was like a lion roared inside me. And I was like, oh, there's no way. 
there's just no way. But the other part of that was later on, you know, I was thinking who would hire me anyway? Like, I feel like I'm unemployable. I feel like I couldn't find a job that I would actually like. That was a, that was a, that was a dark moment. <laughs> it's, it's true because entrepreneurs, I haven't updated my CV in, I don't know, 10 years or so. Right. And yeah. it's, it's hard because you don't even know what employers expect anymore, but it's all about having fun though. This whole entire journey in life, right? Everyone takes it very seriously, but you have to really go through these struggles to really get to different stages and yeah. time solves a lot of things. And the longer you're at it, the more mature you're going to be, the more wise you're going to be, the more decisive you're going to be, and you're going to use more of your gut right? Like I yeah. now feel like gut solves all my problems, right? Like there's going to be a lot of issues on a daily basis, right? There's going to be problems, staffing issues, client issues. There's going to be home problems, friends problems, everything's going to happen, but you just got to deal with it. And life continues going, going on, right? So you just have to enjoy the process, take it, you know, not as seriously as, you know, like early days it was yeah. like I would back into every client call right I would be like okay I'm gonna drive over there I get but now everyone can wait because <laughs> what's more important my family right like yeah. they have to realize what's really important and then it's all about perspective right and they mm -hmm. understand as well but you think that they don't and therefore yeah. you need to continue. so it, it takes time right and you know, as you mature in your business, you'll realize where you want to be. What do you want to do? And is it the right thing for you to do at this moment or not? So, no, this is great, Eleanor. Um, you hit on so, so many good points. Um, I'm going to definitely be following you. Uh, I, I'm inspired uh, from this discussion. I'm going to check you out. Um, so what are some of the sites that you now own what are some of the projects how could people check you out follow you if you don't mind sharing that yeah absolutely so um I, if you're listening to this it's probably because you're a podcast listener so you might enjoy my show which is called power presence position practical insight for female founders so you can check out that show power presence position on all great podcast um channels and networks of course um my site is eleanorbeaton.com you can go there um or connect with me on linkedin eleanor beaton this was Amazing. a fun, fun, fun conversation. It's so much fun to kind of geek out and talk about business and the journey. What a great interview. Well, this is why I do what I do. I try to find interesting people that I actually want to talk to and have fun. Yeah. Life is all about, you know, these moments and it's the relationships and experiences. So I really want to thank you for the time that you, you know, committed to be on the show today, Eleanor. Um, I'm definitely going to be watching you and um, let's stay connected. Thank you so much, Eleanor. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our latest podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the Business Sphere and share this episode. Tune in next week for more interviews from entrepreneurs.